0: Welcome to The Beat with JoJo Doman, powered by Husker Online. Nebraska linebacker JoJo Doman gives you an in-depth look at the Husker football program and beyond. The Beat is brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. Hello and welcome again to another edition of The Beat, show number 14, Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman. As you heard, our title sponsor of The Beat is Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, handling all of your insurance um, and real estate needs uh, located from Omaha to Binkleman and everywhere in between. Thank you to Edgewater for being the title sponsor here of the beat podcast with Jojo Dolman. But Joe, uh, we we said this a lot this year. These are, these are the tough shows to do. And once again, another tough one for you guys on Saturday against Purdue and it's a fine line. Nebraska football walks this fine line. Every week the point spreads are three to seven points either direction. This is a week where you guys were, were picked by about a touchdown, but it doesn't really matter. And those type of games come down to one, two little things here and there. And in this game, you know, it, it just – there was a point where things fell apart. I mean, when you go back and kind of look at it now, where did that game just kind of get out of your hands as a full football team?
1: Yeah, it looked like we started to lose it in the third quarter, um, when we wanted to come out of the halftime, uh, score, and then stop, and then go back and score again, and then kind of just cruise from there. But you know, when you can't, when we don't score on offense, and we can't stop them on defense, and then uh, we just didn't move the ball that that third quarter, and then defense didn't do a great job of getting off the field, and had some mistakes. Um, shouldn't have let them score in the red zone, and. And miss some uh, turnover opportunities. It's just you know they started to have the momentum and we never got it back.
0: They did a couple things that that looked different. I mean they they went under center. They were running the ball uh, more. They had a receiver playing running back. They got Xander Horvath back and they kind of put a smoke screen that he wasn't going to be back this week. Right. I mean how much of what they did in the running game was maybe different than what you prepared for?
1: Yeah everything they did they've done before but we just didn't we didn't practice it to the extent that they did it um i don't think that had an effect on the on our play like we were we were prepared for the runs that they did do i mean they uh they're 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 a pass heavy operation so i mean they they didn't bust any runs either so it was really they wanted i think they wanted to just control the game uh time of possession you know try to wear down our defense keep our offense off the field and then you know make them get off the field quick once they get on d so they they obviously executed in that second half better than we did.
0: Well, and when you look at what they did throwing the ball, they had just one play over twenty yards in the air. It was 20, 21 yard pass. Yeah. Um, David Bell had nine for seventy four. Four he was targeted fourteen times. So it wasn't like David Bell. You know, if you, I, I would have told you going into this game, David Bell would have seventy four yards on nine catches. That's um, what does that come down to, to per average? I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not a, a huge average. Yeah. You know, I think you would have liked your chances to win this game. Um, but just they kept connecting these short little five, seven yard throws. How do you defend those? Like, I mean, is that all pre snap on their part that they're seeing where they can get those in and get it off quickly? Yeah, the majority
1: of those are are pre snap, and then uh, are meant to just you know hike, find the soft throw, spots, catch, get down, move on. You know, those those are designed for five yards, and those aren't going to bust it unless you miss tackles or aren't fundamentally sound. But they, they had a nice game plan. We didn't get off on third down as as much as we would have liked um, on a couple of the key third downs. So, yeah, they executed better than we did, plain and simple.
0: Yeah, your pass rush, um, you know, ha, ha, I mean, hasn't just been able to get home. I mean, is there, is there something to that? Is it just, you know, getting off the ball harder? I mean, it, disguising your blitz is better. I mean, but how do, how do you guys improve in that area? I mean, how can you get to these quarterbacks? Because you're going to see teams like Wisconsin and Iowa particularly that – are going to be more traditional pocket teams where you're going to have to get to those quarterbacks right
1: Well, when you when you force their hand where you stop the run and you know that they're in a passing down uh you're able to get after the quarterback you know but when they're hard sending you you can't tell if it's a run or a pass and and it's maybe uh second third down and short like you just don't know uh, and you're not getting a in a, a quick concise read uh, it slows down your rush and then it gives that quarterback an extra second and that's all they need uh you know, they weren't going to, they weren't trying to get their quarterback hit. They weren't doing a whole lot of drop back passes. They were doing max pro and then three-step was really the bulk of their passing game. So that has to, that has to uh,
0: play a factor too. You're listening here to the beat as we talk uh, Nebraska Purdue and opening headlines with Jojo Dolman. I do got to ask you a couple things from the post game. Uh, First of all, out of the gates, I, I just said, Joe, how do you explain this one? And and you know, we—I don't know if everybody knows that we do a show together. It's our fourteenth week in a row doing a show. Right. <laughs> they and should know. I, I think you felt like we were on the on a show there, but we were on a statewide uh, press conference. And, and uh, were you calling me out? Were you mad at uh, people? Were our, our mentions were pretty funny on Twitter after that? Yeah, dude i I appreciated you asking the first
1: question. It was kind of like a sigh of relief for me, like, oh, like it's just Sean. like we're good. like this guys this is not opening falling. headlines in the show. Let's go. Yeah, like Sean, you got anything for me. So yeah, it wasn't. There was no malintent behind what I was saying. Like, honestly, it's nice to see Sean in those pressers. It gives me a sense of of just, you know, kind of just comfortability just because we're in this booth together. so. I appreciated it, and I know other people didn't
0: under, fully oh, understand that. Yeah, they must, they got to download the Beat Podcast. But the other thing I got to ask you, Joe, this one got more headlines. Um, your comment about the fans, and you know it, those are tough questions um, to put. Number one, you're, you're 24, 23, 24, 24. I mean, anybody, I don't care what age you are as a player, after you lose and the stadium boos, and it's a really just nasty feeling after that type of game against Purdue and somebody's like, what do you think of the fans leaving? I mean, that is a very difficult position, I would say, for a guy to be asked that question. You were asked that question, yeah. and your response generated some headlines. Do you have anything you want to kind of add to that comment?
1: Yeah, just to to clear it up. One, like I noticed the fans leave, uh, absolutely. But when I when I said, you know, we got Husker uh, faithful and that they stand by us and then like the fair weather, we don't need you. Like one, I was not talking about like the people that left our fair weather. Like I'm sure people left for whatever reason. Some of them absolutely were fair weather. Other people probably had things to do and wanted to beat traffic. Thought it was over, but we were in the ball game. We were an onside kick. That the onside way. kick should have happened, by the way. We should have recovered the onside kick. Like we could have used the momentum in the stadium in those moments. Um, and it just it wasn't there in the full force that it could have been, which was just disappointing and when i talk about fair weather well fair weather to me is when you're winning you're liked and when you're losing you're hated and i mean just in general like i just don't resonate with those type of people in general are you going to be fair weather with nebraska football are you fair weather with your family are you fair weather with yourself and with your career like i just don't you you got to be consistent in what you believe in, and if you love Husker football, you love Husker football.
0: One, well, nothing about Nebraska fans is fair weather. You tell me a team, not in the country, the world, that would at a, to watch a three and five football team have a full house, eighty six houses, and that place was full. Like, right. I think there was a, a thought, oh, there'll be a lot of empties. There was not a lot of empties in that stadium for this game. Uh, beautiful weather to watch Nebraska. You know, a team that hasn't gone to a bowl since your first year here in two thousand sixteen. Um, I mean, n- nobody can ever say anything about Nebraska fans. I mean, they, they truly are some of the best you'll ever see. I once had an outlet in India reach out to me to interview me about Nebraska fans because they wow. were just like mesmerized by the population of our state that that many people came to the games, right. every game. Um, so, yeah, it, it is remarkable. Um, this is the hardest stretch of football Nebraska has been through, you know, in history, in the modern-day history, and that place is still full. So, um, yeah, that, that's a tough thing. And Joe, um, before we wrap up with any headlines, one of the things we'll obviously do every week in the show is the Husker Heartbeat Give Back. Each week, the Beat Podcast and Edgewater Insurance give $1,000 to a different uh, charity um, around the state. And you've picked six. Edgewater's picked six. This week, uh, we are giving uh, $1,000 uh, back to the Sam Foltz Foundation. And obviously, this is one that resonates with you. You played with Fultz, um, you're, you're at least around him, um, and you're one of the few on this team, Ben Stilley, another um, that could truly have a connection on this current roster uh, to a guy like Sam Fultz. What does it mean to you, uh, the Sam Fultz Foundation?
1: Yeah, this was, uh, I think, the first one that I that I chose just because, uh, yeah, I wanted to raise awareness and 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 raise money for this cause, but also, just the F- Fultz Foundation stands for for love and 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 everything that I believe in. And and my one interaction with Sam was I'm in the locker I'm in the weight room as a true freshman learning how to power clean with our with our new staff, you know. And out of everybody, Sam Fultz is in there with the freshman teaching us how to do it along with the weight staff. And that was my one interaction with him. And it just and it kind of like right then and there showed me. That this place matters and that, that there's there are people like, you know, counting on us and that are, are trying to cultivate this next, usher in this next uh, class of Huskers. And it just, it really resonated with me. And then for him to, you know, pass um, the way that he did, it's just like, man, life's so precious. Um, can't take a day for granted. Tell everyone you love them and uh, live um, the best you can, um, the best you know how, because you never know when it's your time. So to be a part of this foundation and to, to give this foundation is a blessing to me.
0: And now let me add this $1,000 from Edgewater uh, in real estate will be given to the Samples Foundation to award a high school kicker to attend the Jamie Cole kicking camp in Iowa. And by the way, Jamie was at the game. His son, JJ, a quarterback, was offered by Nebraska. Um, he's a sophomore. He's a really, really good-looking Uh. Quarterback prospect, but the recipient is Hider uh, Alba Mehta, um, who is a kicker at Grand Island High School. Um, so, furthermore, Hider and his parents will be the guests of Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate, um, you know, with JoJo Doman for Nebraska's game versus Ohio State here this weekend. So, um, that will be, and an additionally, Jamie Cole from Cole's Kicking Camp will be providing a scholarship to Hider, but also to an additional kickers in need. So, this money will help. Kickers that want an opportunity to get a workout with the best kicking guy in the country, Jamie Cole. Um, so that is uh, th- that. That is where this mu- this week's money um, for the Husker Heartbeat give give back will be going to. Love to hear it. All right. Well, much more to come. Uh, we're going to delve into this um, as we um, get you ready for Ohio State as well. You're listening here to the beat. Built for us. You're listening to the beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And we're back here on the beat, Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman is here. we brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate with locations around the state of Nebraska, from Omaha to Binkelman and everywhere in between, handling all of your insurance and real estate needs. But this segment of the program brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. 30th and Yankee Hill Road. It is your spot to watch all things football from Thursday night NFL, Friday night college, Saturday college, Sunday NFL, Monday NFL. Get on into Tanner's. They have great specials as well for all the football games uh, each night. So check them out. Order JoJo Dolman's favorite thing on the menu, the hot lip quesadillas. Get the spicy ranch. With the spicy ranch. I'm a charbuff wings guy myself. That is Tanner's Bar and Grill on 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Uh, but, Joe, uh, no in-studio guest today, and, and we've been kind of sitting on this one. You're going to interview me? That's right. Is that the plan? That's the plan. Oh, man. I'm interviewing the interviewer. All right. Well, I mean, I've, I've seen – I know where a few bodies are buried. I've been around the block. <laughs> God. So what, what, what do you got? Yeah, man. I
1: guess you've been here for 20-plus years. Uh, I guess. What a uh, –
0: What's, what's been the best, who's the best team that you've seen play here? Well, so my freshman year in college, I started working in the media right away. So, I mean, if you want to count that 1999, Nebraska won the big 12 championship and they went to the Fiesta bowl and that was my first year. Um, So like you would almost have to say that team, but 2001, my third year at Nebraska, they played in the Rose bowl and, they lost to Colorado in the final game of the regular season, 62 to 36 in Boulder, but they still got in the national championship because of a computer poll. And mm. so they played this Miami team that had like Ed Reed and
1: Ray Lewis, Ray,
0: not, not, not Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis was on the 94 Miami team, okay. but that Miami team in Oh one was ridiculous. And they just destroyed Nebraska. I mean, destroyed Nebraska at that point. And yeah, so, I mean, but those two teams, you know, if you're talking, but if if you're going like after Solage, I th- I still think the, I mean, the Sioux team in 09 was really dominant, but they weren't as complete on offense. I, I, I'll i make a case for the 06 team because you had Zach Taylor. He was big 12 player of the year. Um, I mean, you had a bunch of NFL guys on that team and, I mean, Nebraska lost four games in 06, but easily could have been like a 13-1, and 12-2 team. They finished 10-4 and 4, um, that year, um, it, but they played in the Big 12 title game. 60,000 Nebraska fans went down to Kansas City to Arrowhead Stadium, and it was like 20, 15 degrees out, freezing cold. Um, that was a really, really good team along with that 09 team. So, I, I mean, I, I've seen a few just unfortunately have not seen a conference championship at Nebraska since my first year covering the team.
1: Wow. Okay, so all those great teams you just listed. Tell me the, some of the commonalities. What were some of the intangible things that were the same?
0: Well, the leadership of the players. I mean, you look at just how the structures of those teams were. I mean, they they all had defined culture, defined leadership, and you know the players ran the program and the coaches didn't have to babysit. Right. And so it it was different. And even like when Bill Callahan, you know, brought in, you know, a bunch of new guys in 06, I mean, he saw that the quarterback that they were going to sign out of high school, Harrison Beck, who's now throw God on Insta or TikTok, look him up. It's a rabbit hole. You want to go down, (laughs) um, was not mature enough to be the guy. And they recruited Zach Taylor and, and Zach Taylor is now the coach of the Bengals And, Coaches Joe Burrow. Um, you know, and they, they build a culture on that team of guys and and they were pretty good that year. I mean, Eric Crouch, as you know, in, in that team, I mean, there was a lot of drama. I mean, Bobby Newcomb and Eric Crouch were both four-star recruit top 100 athlete quarterbacks and Newcomb first started and they switched to Crouch and Newcomb had to move to receiver and return punts. He became an all-conference guy as a receiver, punt returner and Crouch won the Heisman. Um, so, they even navigated the drama, I mean, on a much smaller scale, the Luke McCaffrey-Adrian thing. I mean, right. you saw that win and Luke left. I yep. mean, how would you like to have Luke McCaffrey right now just to kind of help with some of your running woes, just to have another weapon? Weapon. I mean, it's sad. I mean, like Luke McCaffrey could have had a role on this team and could have helped this team, but the reality of the world we live in is different than it used to be just because there are so many more ways – for people to access players no doubt back in the day in the early 2000s people didn't have cell phones yet even and you know when a game was over the only people you talked to were like your closest friend family and friends right And, and and you didn't have to worry about everybody dinging you or pinging you on social media or texting you right and so there's just so much more mud in the water um you know that players have to deal with that they never had to deal with before No doubt. And to build on that, like, so building culture back in the eighties, nineties,
1: early two thousands was one thing, right? Like you could, you could physically assert your will on somebody and be like, this is how we do it. You're you either make it or you don't kind of survival of the fittest, uh, mentality now with these millennials and with social media and with all these phones where everything is videotaped, like the, the process of building culture like has to be done in a different way. Um, from your perspective, like in, in the 21st century, like
0: how how could what do we need to do to build culture here? It's tough because um, I've seen it both ways in Nebraska. and I, I think what's really changed Nebraska is the recruiting rankings era. I mean, and I'm a big part of that. I mean, that's how I make my living, but the fans passionately get into recruiting coverage and they want to see Nebraska recruit high level, high ranked guys and be ranked, High in the recruiting classes, but they also want to be like Iowa and Wisconsin, who, by the way, typically recruit outside the top twenty-five in the recruiting rankings most years. Um, but Iowa and Wisconsin have elite development, and they build what you would think are elite cultures year in and year out. Right, um, and that's the difference. Where you know Nebraska signs a bunch of kids from Miami, and they don't even make it through the summer. And you know that a recruiting class gets ranked. And the top 25, because of those kids, well, then they're gone. So yeah. you're no longer a top 25 recruiting class when Jaden Francois, Marcus Fleming, and Keyshawn Green and um, Delancey, I mean, the whole group are gone. I mean, like, so I, I think that is the challenge Nebraska has right now is trying to identify the right players and not worry about the noise of the fans telling you that you're settling on recruits. And I, I've seen it, like this Gage Stinger guy they just took, who you met. That's right. You know, he was a two-star going to Kansas State, and they told him we're recruiting you to play the JoJo Doman, um, and, you know, they, they took him. I mean, I think you've got to go with more of your gut versus, like, worrying about, like, what the crowd's going to say. Yep. Iowa coach, I guarantee you when Iowa offers some two-star guy, their fans are like, well, our coaches must know. They're going to turn him into a pro. Exactly. And I, I think here the fans – need to get that trust back that the coaches know what they're doing um, versus worrying about everything and recruiting. But yeah, it's it's a slippery slope with Nebraska and how they recruit.
1: I could not agree more uh, to touch on gauge. Like I know he's a hardworking kid. I know he's humble. I know he's driven. He comes from a good family. Like those are the type of people that you need in a program. And then to even backtrack a little more development I I also believe development, if you can develop the men, the boys into men in your locker room, you're going to have a a good team. Regardless of wins and losses, you're going to have a good team if you can develop what you have. And at Nebraska, when we were winning games, we were built on development. You know what I mean? Uh, We developed weightlifting. We developed sports psychology. We developed nutrition. We were the first program in the country that developed these cutting-edge Um, aspects of the game that people didn't even know that mattered and our players were able to develop become the best version of themselves in this program and now with the transfer portal and just the way things are like like people don't they don't stay and that that seems to be like the gap right now is we we haven't we haven't developed at the same rate as some of these other schools like iowa doesn't get any better recruits than us they just have developed them
0: better. No, and, and the players don't leave. You know, and that's the other, like, even right. Ka- like Kansas State, it'd be interesting to talk to Cade Warner. I mean, I know he left here somewhat disgruntled, but Kansas State's five and three. They beat Stanford. They beat Nevada, who's, I, I want to say, one lost team. I mean, they've had some, this beat TCU. Um, they've only lost to like the good teams on their schedule in the Big 12, to, uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I know, or two of them, and maybe Baylor. Um, but, they don't have. I mean, they they might have three players on their roster that Nebraska has offered that what they would have wanted, right? And their team is playing a better, you know, more consistent level of football. And their the league's a little different. I, I mean, let's call it what it is. But um, let's pick this back up, Joe, as we come back. Um, you're listening here to the beat. You're listening to the beat with JoJo Doman. Brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And we're back here on the beach. Sean Callahan, JoJo Doman, as you heard, we're brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate with locations around the state of Nebraska. It's a locally-based Nebraska company with locations from Omaha to Binkelman and everywhere in between. Edgewater Insurance, handling all of your insurance and real estate needs. But this segment of the show brought to you by Gary Michaels Clothiers fifty-six and pine lake road check them out at their new location they dressed nebraska football this year uh, everybody had those beautiful gary michaels charcoal gray suits on and red ties on saturday as they made the unity walk into memorial stadium uh, they also dress jojo dolman trey bryce mcgowns who do the beat podcast um, with some more custom gear have you gone in there yet joe going this next bye week i was gonna say you got to get get hooked up man. that's right i got to get in Got to get your uh, your suits. I mean, you got, you got some decisions to make. I definitely do. I don't know which direction I'm going to go. I think
1: I'm thinking like a – I need something spunky, like a light blue, all light blue suit or something ridiculous. Okay,
0: they have Hickey Freeman, and that is a really, really nice brand of suit. American-made brand. Um, it's a real – check out their Hickey Freeman. They could probably find it in their catalog, order you something custom. Uh, but check out Gary Michaels Clothier. Years, proud segment sponsor here of the show, but let, let's get back into what we were talking about. We were talking about cultures, maybe teams that don't have the talent of Nebraska that are playing better than Nebraska right now. And, you know, you, you look at Nebraska right now, you, you guys, and I, you can get into spreads or not, but Nebraska was favored in six of the nine games this year and you were three and six. Yep. Um, but let's zone it in even to more, the Purdue game, the Illinois game, the Minnesota game. And, you know, I think if you were just, a casual football observer, you would say Nebraska has maybe the leg up and overall talent on the roster in terms of recruiting. Like how many of their guys would you really have recruited versus how many of them would they have wanted to have on your team, um, on, on their team. So it, it, it's a interesting discussion, Joe, when we, we get into this.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, we can, we can keep getting into it, but, uh, culture, man, it's a, It's a crazy thing can't really pinpoint it uh, at this moment maybe 10 years from now I'll be able to look back on my time here at Nebraska and see it more clear but uh, yeah while you're in it like you're just I mean I'm just trying to do the best that I can and bring people along with me and you know through the adversity this season like we still have to we're going to show up this week and and give it everything we got uh, regardless of uh, the result last week so that's kind of our mindset moving forward it's like we, we just have to keep going
0: when I think about these four years under coach Frost and, and there were some challenges that he walked into and we know they're well documented, um, kind of where the program was at in 17. And you, you know, I, I look back at it and I, I think he tried to take a couple, not, not shortcuts, but chances on guys like a Maurice Washington or, you know, just certain situations of guys that, you know, that you thought might work out. I mean, he took a chance by not taking Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow wanted to come here. I'm, very close to Jimmy Burrow and his family. I mean, this is where he wanted to go out of high school and out of Ohio State. He wrote with Adrian. I mean, that that that's what head coaches make those decisions. That's what they want to do. Um, you know, they and you know, you, you think back to some of these what if type deals and kind of how things were handled from the start. Um, you know, you, you just wonder if there was something different now back in the first year that you could have done different to to start the culture off the right way and get it in a better spot where, you know, and the culture is fine now, but at, l- at least the on-field results. Right. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. The hindsight's 2020 and I know it's, it's hard. I wish I had the answers, um, <laughs> but I don't. So yeah, man, just really trying to live in this moment and uh, let the past be the past and let the future take care of itself. And all we have is right now. So how, are we, what, what are we going to do with it now? kind of transitioning from culture to NIL, Sean, uh, what are your thoughts on
0: this new NIL world and where do you see this thing going? You know, it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes when you think about it. I mean, I think there's nine guys driving cars now um, around student athletes for football and basketball. And, but the reality is it's not going anywhere. Um, and Nebraska has to embrace it and figure out how to use it right. And I think they are um, yeah. you know, with what they're doing and you know abm and and some of the stuff there and open doors and i mean there's some really really good companies right here in lincoln that are giving nebraska's athletes what what still confuses me is when you hear like uh ohio state quarterback getting over a million dollars like are they getting the million like i i don't know if they're getting like that money like right now or like what what is like the stipulations and with your family's background especially your dad like you don't just hand a 18-year-old a million dollars.
1: You can't do that.
0: So, like, I, I don't understand, like, when you hear, like, the Alabama or the Ohio State guy getting that kind of money, like, as a freshman that maybe hasn't even played it down yet. Because what happens if they leave? Right. Put, yeah, just put yourself in that situation.
1: Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to grind harder? Are you kind of going to get content? Well, look uh,
0: at Rattler. Yeah. I mean, you guys played against that guy, and we talked about this, like, it's almost like he was like trying to protect himself in that game. Like there was a time where he could have ran in the end zone, got a touchdown, and instead he ran out of bounds. Remember right. that play? Yep. And it was, it was like, man, is is the money and the projections changed the way he plays?
1: Yeah. It, it it seems that that's potentially a thing going on. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm benefiting from NIL, and I appreciate this, and I appreciate that we can benefit off our likeness, but. If, if anything it makes me want to go harder uh on the field like it makes me feel like i need to prove myself that much more i need to earn it and not the opposite but if i was handed 100k more plus like i don't i don't know if i'd feel the same way
0: well a college kid doesn't even let alone a lot of adults don't even know how to manage or handle that kind of money yeah i mean come on
1: like for an 18 year old that's a kid in the lottery Oh yeah, I and mean these people that hit the lottery. I mean, ninety nine percent of them blow it all in the first three years. Like yeah.
0: what? I mean, very few people are smart enough to be like, we're gonna put this all in stocks and invest it. I mean, right. you're like, hell no, I'm gonna go friggin' go buy a new truck and, you know, furnish my place and get all the nicest stuff I can I can get, or go on a bunch of trips, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, if someone is like, here's a hundred grand, and you had free time, you're getting on and booking flights to like Hawaii or something, right? I mean, you're doing something legit. Yep. Sean, if you were a player, if you were a player oh, man. right now
1: and you were in this NIL world, what what would you want to do? Like as far as a deal? Yeah. Who are you reaching out to? Lululemon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I kind of have like some NIL deals. I mean, I have a Tanner's deal. I have a car deal, a couple Chevrolet. and Oh, so you are NIL. I mean, I've been lucky enough to kind of have I, – I, I don't get <laughs> – um, Martinez Doman and I L money, but I make, I make all right money doing some of the things I get to do. And, um, but yeah, I mean, just, I mean, I, a car, I mean, any any kind of car deal would be great if you were in college to get, I mean, first car I came down to Lincoln with like the roof leaked and you had to put like beach towels down to like keep keep the car from, um, you know, getting all wet. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, so Sold it to a guy across the street, a Hispanic guy in South Omaha where I was from. He bought it off me for 250 bucks. That's how much my first car was. So a a car would have been a big, you know, if somebody's like, here's a Nissan Armada or um, a Denali pickup truck or whatever. Like what kind of truck is Adrian driving now? I don't know. No, you don't know? I don't know. I know I'm still driving my
1: 2015 Jeep Compass. She's she's breaking down on me though. I got to take her into the shop here soon.
0: Well, in nil. That's what's been interesting to me to see is it's about like re-recruiting your roster. Like, yeah. No knock on you. I mean, you're playing as well as anybody on the defense, but your value now is no more. You got three games left, four games left, whatever. Yep. And so, like, you're not going to garner a lot of nil deals this last month. Right. Now you're worried about re-recruiting people to make sure they stay. Right. And that, that's like, that's a whole nother layer of NIL that I don't even think people realize. No doubt. And I just, for me specifically, like
1: I'm building towards the quote unquote NIL at the next level, you know, building my brand, uh, for next year and beyond, you know, moving on to the NFL and what's beyond that, like who is Jojo Doman and, and what does he stand for? So that's kind of that's kind of how I've approached this NIL because I was I was aware that this is going to end in
0: December and I'll I have to move on from there. All right, let's pick this back up. One more segment uh, of us going back and forth um, before we get into some mailbag. You're listening here to The Beat. you're listening to the beat with jojo doman brought to you by edgewater insurance and real estate and we're back here on the Beat, sean callahan jojo doman uh, getting you ready now for nebraska ohio state it's an 11 a.m game on saturday on fox the beat as you heard brought to you by edgewater insurance and real estate with locations around the state of nebraska from omaha to binkelman and everywhere in between edgewater insurance and real estate handling all of your insurance and real estate needs but this segment of the show Brought to you by Pioneer, an American seed brand since 1926. Pioneer is proud to work with generations of American farmers in the most complex and rewarding industry on earth. From your friends at Pioneer, thank you, farmers. And hopefully these farmers have been able to get all their work done in the field as it has been a rainy week in Lincoln and a rainy Monday here again. But, Joe, you got more questions for me? Yeah, we're coming at Sean this segment, everybody. Oh, um, man.
1: So, first, dude, you are getting really good at that intro. man. Yeah, I don't, no script on that. Nothing. You're off the top now. But, uh, okay, kind of go down memory lane for me, Sean. What did you expect when you started your job here working on the Huskers? Wow. And how, and what did you not expect that has happened? And then how have you grown from your experience working uh, with the Husker football program?
0: Well, like, I never came down here expecting to, like, become like a football guy like I am now. In fact, I mean, I played football in high school. I, was a, I played on the varsity, but I was never a starter. Um, you know, we had a pretty good team. Basketball was always my favorite sport. Um, so I love basketball. Um, went to a lot of Nebraska basketball games, a lot of Creighton basketball games growing up in Omaha. Um, but I went down in the media business, um, you know, and started working at the Daily Nebraska in my freshman year and as well as KRNU Radio. And probably what changed my path was in the December of 1999, Sam McEwen, you know Sam, right, from yep. the World Herald. Yep. He was the sports editor of the Daily and Like, we had a legit staff back then. I mean, everybody on our staff, it was like Brian Kristofferson, me, Sam, you know, everybody that you see covering the team, Dirk Chatelain. We were all on the same college sports staff back then. Um, and he goes, hey, Sean, we're going to put you on a new beat, football recruiting. Nobody really wants, basically nobody really wanted to do it. And he goes, you're going to go on this website called Rivals.com and follow recruiting. And I like that stuff. And that's kind of what got me into the door of covering recruiting. And then my freshman summer, I went back to Omaha and I took an internship at 1620, the zone, um, which at that time was just called ESPN 1620. And they were the only sports talk station in Nebraska. Um, and. Started, they just let me get on the air here and there, helping out. I was like a producer intern, and they said, you're, "When you go back to school, we're going to give you a cell phone." And this is like two thousand, so cell phones were rare. They're expensive. They're big. Yep. And he goes, "The only thing is, every day at five o'clock, you know, you're going to give an update on Nebraska football practice. So you guys would practice in the three to six range. That's right. And so they would call me actually five forty-five. So." Every day from my sophomore year of college on, I had been on Omaha radio with a report from Nebraska football practice. So that kind of, like, established my brand. And that was pre-Twitter. That was pre-Facebook, pre-smartphone. So that practice update had a lot of value because if you wanted to know what happened, that was, like, the first report you got. And I was 20. Um, So I was really lucky to kind of create some of these opportunities and then Rivals hired me as a part-timer in college, which led to my full-time opportunity. Um, so yeah, my path to what I'm doing, I never expected it to be this way, but it's just grown into this thing where I was really the first internet guy. There wasn't any, like when I first started, people acted like the internet was like the plague. They're like, oh, the internet, no. Right. like They used to not even like let me get a credential. Like I had to apply as a radio station to get into games. They would like we don't credential internet sites, um, so it, it, it was it was a unique time, um, and I got in at the right time and been able to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah. What is a what's Husker? Okay, so what's Husker football taught you about yourself?
0: Um, it's taught me. That's a loaded question. Yeah, it's it's hard because. The emotions, I mean, I'll be honest, like Saturday going on channel seven in Omaha, it's tough. Like you have to go on and like talk about the game and, you know, the message board, the Red Sea Scrolls, which is the largest, most active Husker community on the Internet. It's a toxic place sometimes. And, you know, you, you can't let the comments get to you, um, you know, because people are ruthless and they hide behind a username. You don't know who they are typically. And you know that that that's who's paying our our bills, like our subscribers. So, you know that part of this job is hard, is because sometimes Nebraska has they have the best fans in the world, but you know sometimes that passion can be turned against you as a fan base. And I'll never forget in two thousand six when Nebraska lost that Big Twelve championship game. They should have beat Oklahoma. It was like one of Oklahoma's worst teams that won a conference title. And Bill Callahan, out of the blue, called me on Monday morning. Um, and I was going to my dentist appointment. I remember, and I was like in a Panera, like in between. And, and he's just like, your board is killing us. It's killing us. They're using it against us in recruiting. Like people are just like, I mean, the, just like that, the, oh, the, man. you know, he wasn't mad at me, but he's like, don't these people know they're killing us? Like coaches use this and they show recruits that, da da, and you know, and it, it the, the, I I think just dealing with the swings of emotion of the fan base is the challenge of this job. Um, at times, the other thing I'd say about this job is you realize how many great people are in Nebraska. Like I've been able to travel the state for 20 years now going to all these different communities, small communities. And, you know, you spend time with these people and you realize that those are, these are the real Husker fans. Like you can't let, Maybe the fifty or hundred really loud people on a social media or message board make you think that those are the real Husker fans, right. and I, I think that's that's the challenge you've got to like navigate yourself through. Is like know that yeah, there's going to be critical people, but there's a, so many great Nebraska fans that you get to deal with that make this a special place.
1: That's a great take. Yeah, you can't let you know more, you know a couple guys ruin the the collective whole. So. Yeah, and that just back to my post game comments. Like that's that's who I was that's who I was talking about.
0: The 50 or 100 really loud people,
1: right? That are going to be negative to just be negative, to be, to hate just to hate and to capitalize on our downfall and our shortcomings. So, yeah, I feel that. I'd absolutely feel that. Uh, you're talking about rivals and it took me back to uh, the Missouri Rivals camp back in I think it was 2015. When I was there, and you were there, and you
0: interviewed me. In St. Louis? In or St. Kansas Louis. City. No, okay. yeah, yeah,
1: St. Louis. And uh, I guess, what do you remember when you saw me coming out of high school? I think you also came to a Pine Creek game when uh, Avery was there, and I was a junior.
0: Well, our, uh, Greg and, our, and our, our staff went out. I didn't go to that game. But, yeah, what I remember is you were like the guy that nobody knew for sure where he was going to play. I think everyone's like, safety now linebacker then and that's the hardest kind of recruit for a coaching staff to like jump on because the db coach doesn't want you because they know that you're probably going to like move to a linebacker the linebacker coach is like is he going to get big enough to play linebacker and, right and i do remember talking to trent bray about you and and he you know i, I don't want to say they drugged their feet but they wanted to make sure like they're like he'll grow into a linebacker like they they wanted to make sure like you would grow into that. And I still remember Nate Gary. I was talking to the previous Polini staff about Nate Gary way back when we invited Nate and you're, you're similar type of recruit to Nate, you know, played back and then moved up. Um, And Nate came to our camp that we ran in Lincoln. He drove up. I call him. I go, Hey man, you want to compete? Like Luke Gifford's going to be here. All these guys like Banderas, all these guys are going to be working out in this place in South Lincoln. Um, if you do really well on the same stage, like these guys already have Nebraska offers, it's probably going to help you. He didn't have a Nebraska offer yet. Then he got one. Um, but they, the secondary coach back then was an SEC guy and he wanted to get all guys from the South. And I'm like, look, how many guys from the South can run like 10-5 in 30-degree weather like Nate Gary can? right? You know, he's built to play in the conference. No doubt. And obviously that worked out. I mean, and you've worked out. I mean, it's... You've gotta like take a chance on the Gage Stinger or the Isaac Gifford. And my other guy that I've been a lot of people have banging their drum for is this kid in North Platte named Vince Genitone. But he's five eleven and change, almost six foot. But he's a state champ wrestler. He runs a ten eight. Um, you know, and nobody knows where to play him. I think he'll end up here somewhere. Um, but you know, there's always that you you're you're in that category. Like nobody everybody wants you, but nobody wants you on their bill. Right. And it takes like the head coach almost to like say we're taking this guy.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Like you want you you want this individual, you want this football player in your program, uh, despite what position he might develop into. Like we want this guy on our roster. So I remember for me, like I didn't know what I wanted to play. And North Carolina's telling me I'm going to play Will. Colorado's telling me I'm going to play Mike. Um, these other teams are telling me I'll play safety, and I was like I don't like I just didn't know. I just wanted to go play ball somewhere. I knew I would develop into whatever I was
0: supposed to. But I just needed someone to take a chance on me. All right, let's close this up. we got one more segment to go. You're listening here to The Beat. You're listening to The Beat with JoJo Doman, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate. And we're back here on The Beat, final segment of the show. Sean Callahan and JoJo Doman, as you heard, we're brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate serving Nebraska with all your insurance and real estate needs and locally based Nebraska company with locations from Omaha to Benkelman and everywhere in between. Thank you to Edgewater insurance and real estate once again, for being the title sponsor here of the show. But Joe, our final segment is brought to you by S and W fence, um, serving Omaha and the Lincoln areas, both residentially and commercially for your best defense in the game. Check out S <laughs> fence, um, as they are the segment sponsor here, but final segment, Joe, where where do you want to go on this one?
1: Dude, let's keep it. Let's keep this train rolling. We're having fun, yeah, we
0: are. It's therapy session here today. It
1: really is, <laughs> Sean. Kind of, let's keep this train rolling. Uh, what have you enjoyed the most from working on the Beat Podcast right here for the last fourteen weeks?
0: Um, just number one, your professionalism. I mean, I, I don't know how many other guys on the team have the credibility and the ability both to do a show weekly. I mean, there's Adrian could do it. We know that. um, But it's tough. I mean, he paused his podcast, um, you know, for the season. I mean, he taped a bunch, then they've dropped a few during the year. Um, But I I think what we're doing is unique and there's not that many guys that can do it. I, I think from what I can gather, you are the only college football player doing like a weekly show during the season. And, you know, that, that, that's not easy, man. And, you know, we, I think we make it work together and we have a good relationship to like schedule and get things taped. And, yep. um, so that's been the fun part because, you know, you've made it easy and obviously your, your family, um, working with them and getting to know them and, and even your girlfriend, Megan, I mean, it's, it's been fun to do and it's hard to believe we only got four left after this one,
1: man. Yeah, dude, it has been tough. But it's helped me to be present and it's helped me to keep perspective. Um, You know, this I I, I get to show up to this podcast and and I I just have I have to think positively, you know, like I am a positive person, but it doesn't mean that I don't get in these negative thought patterns. You know, it doesn't mean that sometimes like I, you know, I might I might be weak in certain moments. And this podcast has really revealed that to me about um, those times where like I can't, I I can't, I don't want to be spreading that negativity. Like I, I just want to come from a place a place of positivity and love, and and this this has brought that out of me. So I'm also uh, very grateful for this opportunity. Um, to uh, the next question, <laughs> who's uh, who's been here? You've been here for twenty plus years. Who's been like your most? Who's the who's been your favorite player? Plain and simple, um, favorite player.
0: Gosh, there's been so many. But I really liked Zach Taylor. I mean, he's up there for me. Just the way he carried himself, like the dude ran like a 5 two forty, but just believed in himself. And, I mean, his dad played for OU, and he went to Wake Forest, and Wake Forest switched offenses. Jim Grobe got there or whoever got there at that time, and, you know, he wasn't a fit, so kind of like Tanner Lee. And he had to go Juco, and he went to Butler, and bet on himself and came to Nebraska and then was the Big 12 Player of the Year. And I'll never forget, like, they played in 05. They played a Michigan team with, like, Chad Henney. And, I mean, they were freaking loaded, like loaded, you know, like NFL guys everywhere. And Nebraska had no business winning that game, none. And, like, he was getting smoked. And the courage that he showed, you know, to win that game – in the Alamo dome and that's, I wish the Alamo bowl was still a part of the big 10. Um, it was a big 12 and a big 10 game, but you'd play in the Alamo dome and you know, you'd have a week on the Riverwalk. and I've covered three Alamo bowls for a week. And man, those are some weeks there. There was a year when, so Pelini, imagine this bowl trip. Okay. Um, Polini I'm sorry. Solich got fired and Polini was like in his thirties and they made him the interim head coach. And they pretty much all the coaches pretty much knew that they weren't going to have a job after the bowl game. Mm. So imagine how fun that trip would have been, man, for a week in San Antonio. Um, they probably just sent it. it. Well, they played like they played their their nuts off in the game. I mean, Michigan State had no chance in this Alamo Bowl, um, and that was this was two thousand three. But Richie Incognito was on that team, and. There was a team fiesta like where both teams win and Michigan State's players tried to pick a fight with Jamal Lord at the party. Incognito mm. picked up a chair and threw it across the room. Jeez. And it got I mean, it got real real quick. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I ran back to my hotel room and started to try to write that up and get it up. But um I mean just the first I remember the first practice in the morning, guys were like puking because I'm they're out, you oh, know. Yeah. And, you know, closed it down and morning practice and and uh I, I just I'm like, man, this is going to be an interesting week in San Antonio. But luckily, there was no rest made. Um, but, yeah, that was always a fun trip. But that, that game in 05 with Zach Taylor, just the the way he played. He's still the last player in Nebraska to win conference player of the year on offense. Wow. And now he's doing great things with the Bengals. Yeah. And I joke, he's coaching Joe Burrow. So at least one Husker got to coach Joe Burrow. There we go. That's funny.
1: Do uh let's backtrack a little bit. We just talked about the wave of emotions that makes this job uh difficult at times, uh the Red Sea Scrolls that makes your job dis- difficult at times. How have you been able to keep perspective and to handle that wave of emotions and how do you, Sean, show up uh with this energy and charisma and positivity week in, week out through the ups and downs of Husker football?
0: Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, cuz so many of the fans, they call the media out always, like especially in the bad moments. They're like, everyone is scared to ask Frost the tough questions. I mean, they want us to go in there and be like Skip Bayless or just like some, right? You know, hit artist. And you know, everyone that's doing this job, you know, I think is a pretty reasonable, level-headed person. And you know, I, I try to only, you know, I ask questions that I would ask anybody. I'm not going to like go in and try to show up the coach. And I think they. Fans want you to go in and ask like loaded statements and call those questions, right? How does it feel to be the worst team in Nebraska football history? Exactly. I mean, they, they, that that that's kind of like what they want, you know? Coach, are you like Jason? You know who Jason Whitlock is no. Um, he used to be on like with Skip Bayless, part of my take, and he used to be a Kansas City Star po- columnist, and you know he's one of the most well known sports writers in the country. Um, and big black guy played football at Ball State. And he he made a comment to Frank Soligel after 02 Iowa State. I'll never forget this. He's like Frank, Nebraska is a proud program with tradition and history. You just got blown out by Iowa State. Wow. Are you embarrassed? Wow. And you know you don't see that, but we did see it at times in in that, in that era. Um, but that's just not my style. Like I am, I go about it like a level headed human being. I'm not going to ever just go in and and be a hot take artist. And I think. That's the hard part with the emotion. You know, when when you know, like, you guys have more talent in some of these games and you're dropping them, that that, makes it tough sometimes. No doubt. And it's tougher. I'm sure it's tougher for you guys. It is. To see, like, Saturday at Purdue, I mean, to see that game, you know, when Torre, when that ball was missed, I mean, whether – Right before half. Whether Adrian – I mean, Adrian could have thrown a little higher. Torre could have maybe just laid out a little more. But if that play hits, it's a 10-point game at halftime. And then – Produce whole system changes. I mean. Totally. And that is Nebraska football in a nutshell. It, it's been one play. And when you play three to seven point spread games every week, it's about one play typically, two plays. It's fair. And, you know, it's a shank punt. It's a fumble strip on what probably should have been stop for forward progress. I mean, there's just that one moment every one of these games. And unfortunately, you guys have been on the wrong side of that a lot.
1: Yep. So we got four episodes left at the at the mm-hmm. very least. Who would you like to see on here, moving forward? Man, I'm giving you free reign here.
0: I still would like to get like some older guys on, like that played here, like Wester Camp or yes. Riley. And I don't know if we can. We talked about having some guys like that on. I mean, we've run through the team. Like who? Cam Taylor Britt never came on, and that's okay. Like we we'll, we'll, I mean, he. he He's been harder to kind of pin down, but you know, I don't know what other players you'd want to have back on on this team again for a second show. And we, I don't think we can have the coaches on. We cannot. Um, Trev Alberts we can't have on. Right. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some former players that have some battle scars that could cut it up with you a little bit about what you're going through would be an interesting show.
1: No doubt. And if uh, the listeners want to see anybody uh, on in the upcoming weeks, definitely drop that. Uh, tweet me or jojo in the mailbox and we can uh we can get that arranged sean i appreciate you opening up on the mic today i appreciate you uh riding with me all season through the highs and the lows and we're gonna finish this thing out strong
0: hey we started it we'll finish it we got four more for sure to go um and make sure you uh find us on social media Uh, follow edgewater at at edgewater insurance on instagram also jojo's on instagram um, and twitter as well as well as at Husker Online or The Beat Podcast. Uh, You can follow us on the JoJo Doman YouTube channel or JoJo Doman's Facebook page as well. Um, And if you want to donate to the good work of the Sam Foltz Foundation, visit the samfoltzfoundation.org website. um, And all of the proceeds of T-shirt sales this week on thedominator.com will go to the Sam Foltz Foundation. So check all of these things out. Thanks for listening to The Beat with Jojo Doman, powered by Husker Online. Join us for another show next week, brought to you by Edgewater Insurance and Real Estate.